1: I was just thinking how Tony <laughs> hasn't rocked out to the, the theme music, yeah. but just now he did. How can you not? Okay it's so cool. Yeah, it is. Welcome so. to Catfish Cops. My name is Brandon Poore. And I am Tony Godwin. And once again joining us this week is Irish Birch. Irish Birch. Welcome, welcome. It's welcome. so fun talking with you. Um you didn't get to hear yeah, I we're just starting. We just got started. Um you're about to hear a whole bunch more of um the background and why we love Irish. We are in 2014, and you are Chief Partner Relations.
3: I am Chief Partner Relations Officer.
1: I can't believe I got that title correctly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And actually,
3: I don't. I think it might have been something different. That's what we call it now. It may have been even something different then.
1: It was like MDT coordinator, I think. No. Okay, it wasn't.
3: Mm-mm.
2: No.
1: <laughs> we just knew she was See, the head chicken why- charge. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know she won't let you get away I'm like, with anything. No, that Nuh-uh. was not it. <laughs> yeah, that's well, I just made up <laughs> something and felt good with it. So, um and so what where did you go from there? So,
3: uh um, I left actually in 2017.
1: Oh, um, yes. yes. Let's let's this yes. is this is the crushing. period of time we call um well, it's the it was time a morning we don't period. speak about.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like this morning of it was like
1: what? Yeah, I remember. Okay, I remember. Um, at Crimes Conference, we have a partner oh, yeah. lunch, and she spoke with, uh, and was like, they're, they're just all these names of people that we love, um, but yes, Irish was leaving us. There were nary a dry eye in the room, and oh, she got up and talked, and everyone was like, betrayed
2: <laughs> it, it was
1: so
3: traumatic was, i was traumatized myself
1: <laughs> it wasn't betrayal it was irish was going to bigger and better and so where did you go
3: it's so funny so if you think about it i started there with my first week of conference and my last week on the job What's that yeah, week of conference yeah
1: yeah she um, was le- you were leaving right after yes, that lunch. i left right, that was go. my
3: last week on the job yeah it uh i moved to austin uh first time really living outside of the dallas fort Worth area had right. been born and raised my whole entire life Our life. I went to our membership association uh, to do similar to what I had done at DCAC, but to do it on a statewide level. So training MDTs, working with our policies that we have in place, Um, and so I spent I stayed there from August of 2017 until January of 2020.
1: Oh wow! So what you? Yeah, but I think I talked over you went to the state mm-hmm. CAC yes. to do that, yes. that work. Um, and what, I guess, what's the difference between your local DCAC, Alliance for Children, what are the local CAC versus like the state CAC?
3: Exactly. So the state CAC is really uh, the Children's Advocacy Centers of Texas. It's a membership. So we're a, we're a part of a membership association. Oh. So it's 70 CACs in the state of Texas. Wow. I think we're over close to 900 nationwide. And so wow. children's advocacy centers of texas it is their responsibility in order to ensure that we have the funding so because our funding passes through them but it also is about regulation so it is mm-hmm. ensuring that we are adhering to the standards that are required minimum standards that are required um through them and as well as this texas family code mm. So when
1: right. did that come into existence? That oh, state CAC, do you know? It was way it?
3: before my time. Okay,
1: so it, it's been around.
3: It's been around. Okay. It's been around. Our, okay, we were probably, I believe, the third CAC to start in the state of Texas, and we were in. We started in nineteen ninety one. Okay, and right. I actually, when we started, I don't think CAC of Texas actually existed at that time. It came okay. as a formulation as to these other CACS coming about.
1: Yeah, right. and and they. They do sort of pass down. They also represent CACs in from legislation. Yes, yeah. they
3: handle all of our legislative. Your individual CAC doesn't do lobbying or anything like that. Yeah. They're going to take care of all our legislative affairs.
1: Which is we yes, dealt with them last of, year. Yeah, because we, did. we were, we were trying to change the laws. Was it? Good grief! It's already been over a year now.
0: I know. It's uh, it's crazy how fast time goes. But,
1: but we joined, we're coming back. Oh yeah, we've got <laughs> legislation. We that got. we're working on now you do. with partners yeah. to try and change Texas laws concerning child pornography or CSAM offenses mm-hmm. and solicitation offenses and things like that. But we had DCAC join us. We mm-hmm. had the CAC of Texas helped us out. And, and you so had
3: uh, Tarrant County uh, Alliance, for yep. Alliance
1: for Children there yep. also. Yeah, Yeah. So this time we're adding a few more faces and names to the to the mm-hmm. party and we're gonna oh yeah be,
0: we're we're gearing up man gloves are coming on this is gonna coming we're on. making yeah. it that we're gonna, gonna make gloves it on yeah instead
1: of off that's right he i'm putting no i'm on my boxing gloves
2: it's time, i'm ready to it's go, time go a few to go. rounds
1: <coughs> a oh rounds. my gosh no that's <laughs> all right next dude. we just <coughs> sidetracked you sorry it's okay cac and then in 2020 i'll tell you honestly in 17 i thought gosh, I just love Irish and now I'll just never see her again. And I literally thought yeah. you're going to go on. Yeah. I thought you'd go maybe national somewhere. And then I was like, "I'll just, we'll just never see Irish again. And here you are. You
3: know, it was hard. So I, I think I ugly cried <laughs> like y'all seriously. So here's what people don't know. I gave Lynn my notice in March. Uh, we didn't announce to the team until May. Yeah. And so I'd still work the entire summer. Right. Now, I would not do that again. Right. <laughs> that that really was traumatizing. And yeah. I, once I left DCAC, I really had to go through a grieving period because oh, working imagine. for somewhere so long yeah. and when you're dealing with the content that we deal with, you can't talk to people outside of this world yeah. about this mm-hmm. because you will shut down a dinner conversation. That's we all fact. know it. You know how
1: many lunches we've said? We talk about like, we're the ones that Cops don't, don't want, want to go hear to what that. we do. Yeah. They're like, no, no, no. You no. don't tell us what you're, you know, cops share stories yeah. and war stories, and yeah. but not us. Anybody
0: yes. sitting there? Yes. Somebody, you're not. Somebody we actually is. just said that the other day.
1: <laughs> like we were talking with, where were we? We were training somewhere and we were talking about how, like, we forget sometimes how difficult this content is. Mm-hmm. And how easily we talk about it because, and you're probably hearing it now, like we just talk about these cases because we talk with, I mean, with MDT Mm -hmm, and other mm -hmm, child crimes, mm -hmm. guys and girls, it's like your whole, you, you learn to talk about it because you have to talk about it. But outside of here, like people are like, I can't believe you're talking about that that way. It's it's just so effortlessly. And it's such a difficult, horribly weighty topic. And I'm like, yeah, but we're dealing with it all the time. So it's not that for you know it is but it's not but people that they
3: see it as this you know really sad place and all of these different things and we've all got right. how do you do that how do you do that but they're asking the wrong question mm-hmm. the question is why do we do what we do right. and it's because we know what's on the other side yeah, yeah we see what they come in what they look like in that interview room right. what is at what you're having to deal with when you're talking to the perpetrators but when that child and that family gets on that other side mm-hmm. of healing and walking that journey. My gosh, there is nothing more rewarding than seeing that. Yep. So that's how you come back yep. every single day. Yeah. And so when I left DCAC, I didn't realize mm. how much my life was so ingrained in what we do, my identity yeah. ingrained in what we did and all my friends. Yeah. Like I had literally my whole network had become my friends, all of y'all, all of the people that I saw every day. Those were the people that I wanted to be around all yeah. the time. And when I left, I remember going to uh, CAC of Texas and I know they don't mind me telling this story, but we were, they would have a couple of situations that would be emergency to them and me and another person talked to this day about I she said that I finally came to her one day and was like did a child die (laughs) because if if they didn't then we can do we can do all things because for me, when facing so many years of the criticalness of what mm-hmm. we did, everything else seemed to be...
1: Right. Small potatoes. <laughs> like, okay, I'm
3: going to need y'all calm down. Yeah. yeah. Saying,
1: this drama ain't necessary exactly, right now.
3: <laughs> exactly. I'm like, let me tell you what we would see at the yeah. CAC. And so leaving DCAC, it was stressful for me, I, but bet. I knew that the team would be fine. I knew that they would go on and do all of the great things that... We had trained, and everybody was already trained to do. But I, man, I, I unfollowed DCAC on social media. Did <laughs> you really? I did. I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to hear nothing y'all doing. Yeah,
1: it's like a breakup. It was <laughs> a breakup. Even though
3: I was the person who decided to leave of my own free will, it just it was so hard, and I just had to grieve it. So when you say you didn't think you would see me again, I didn't either. I didn't think you would see me again either. No, Mm -hmm. and
1: and not in a bad way. Just like yeah, you just like I thought that. Okay, she's going to go do other things. Part
3: of my life. Even though I was still working in the field, it also, if you think about it, y'all, it was my first time. Y'all, yes, I'm (laughs) Texan. It was my first time away from the content. Yeah. Yeah. It was my first time, and I will be in full transparency. I had started struggling. Right before I left right. I started struggling And we do a lot of things You know we do a lot of things For our partners With debriefing And all of this additional Outside support To ensure That you have someone To talk to But I, I'll never forget It was this one case Because uh, I facilitated All of the capital Murder staffings mm-hmm. We were at the ME's office And we were trying To determine What type of mark Was on this child's head uh, Like we just Couldn't figure it out And finally I think it was Either detective Or somebody was Telling a story of something and recounting what the perpetrator told them, and we finally figured out that the mark was a Nike from the uh, he oh, had slam a Nike oh, imprint. He had slammed wow. his foot into her head. I, um, when I tell y'all that case, I could not stop thinking about that case. Like if I had never been able to do that. Like I normally I could. I could manage it in a healthy way. And then the other time was when I was sitting in a staffing, um, Dr. Reader, Dr. uh, Quinn Reed. Do y'all remember him? Yeah. Uh, The ME's office. He uh, was doing, we were doing another capital uh, child murder staffing and I was just eating my salad, full autopsy of an infant. I'm just eating my salad. And so the sergeant uh, at the time from DPD sent me a text and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm eating my lunch and I'm facilitating the staff and I'm managing my business. And he said, how are you eating while you're watching these pictures? And that's when I realized that something was not right. Like I yeah. was detaching in a way that I wasn't comfortable with. So when they presented me with the opportunity to go to the state, when they approached me, I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. But it was my first time in my life away from the content because I went straight from the interview room to facilitating staffings. And then you had actually more exposure to the content because you heard all cases. Exactly. In the interview room, I only had my case, but then with the staffings, I had everybody's cases. And so it was, it was, I will say it was refreshing and I was like, Oh, is this what life is yeah. after DCAC? This is what it looks like? Is this why wow. those detectives come back looking so well-groomed and after they've left DCAC, you look refreshed and happy?
1: What is happening? Wait, yeah. you really are only 43, not 70?
3: Like, <laughs> like, I really was able to see the difference. And yeah. it is so amazing. And I'm so glad I did, because I will tell you this, and I've said this to everybody. Had I stayed at DCAC, I know for a fact I wouldn't be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in today. Yeah. I know for a fact I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have made it through uh, the content
2: mm-hmm. and
3: were we, where I was at that point because I was so committed to the MDT, yeah. I would have done anything I needed to do to ensure that everybody still had what they needed right. and continue to neglect what I needed.
1: I well, feel that you. Self-awareness is important. Mm-hmm. I, and I think all of us have that i i think i hope we all have that awareness of like i I, I know okay you know the not.
0: the amount of time that i have done this job like i'm i am almost reaching that point mm-hmm. i'm like i know it's in the future
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know probably sooner than i tony's only 38 yeah yeah That's i come up, i look like an 80 year old out here but uh <laughs> no but one, yeah you're no right there that. is a point in time and and you know, uh, you always hear people say, hey, you you know when you know, and all those kind of things. But nonetheless, it, it was gut-wrenching to see you leave, even though oh it probably for a healthy reason. Uh, but we were definitely in mourning, you know, definitely. But
1: COVID was going on yeah. when you came back-ish.
3: Back. Well, it hadn't started, so I got back into the Dallas Fort Worth area,
1: yeah. Because this is a this is a little. Well, here's a little blip on the radar that that nobody, not a lot coming. of people know. Yeah. When you came back, you didn't come to DCAC.
3: I did not. I came back and went to Alliance for Children.
1: Oh, I bet someone at DCAC <laughs> thought, oh, she's gone to the dark side. She's betrayed us.
3: Yeah. I, well, actually, I think it was my family that thought I betrayed them okay, because after really. living in Dallas uh, my whole entire life, I probably can. Count on one hand, the amount of times I'd gone to Fort Worth. So when we told our family, we were moving. So we moved to Fort Worth. We didn't move back to Dallas. Our families were living. They were like, what are you doing?
1: You might as well stay in Austin. But I'm like, I
3: need to be close to my job. And I literally would walk to work. um, Oh, really? Even during COVID. Yes, when COVID happened. So we got here in January of 2020. COVID happened in March. And so we just, I took it in stride. So and when I went into Alliance for Children, I actually went in as the director of HR and culture. Okay. And so a lot of people say you have an HR background. So when we started at DCAC, when I became a manager, we were our HR people. Yeah. So you were your own HR person. So I had a basic knowledge in HR and then of course everybody knows I love to learn. So I continue to learn over the years. But I also, even at, in my position as the partner relations officer, it was all about culture. Yeah. It really was all about setting the tone for all of the different individuals to come together and be able to stay focused on that common goal right. and figure out how do we create an environment where people can thrive. And
2: we
1: got to talk about, about that because mm-hmm. the culture of the CAC and Alliance too. I mm-hmm. I don't mean to. We're talking about DCAC today, but Alliance has these things as well. Absolutely. Uh, the culture of the advocacy center is its own little it's his own, own little right? world
3: it's so funny when new uh sergeants and new uh officers would come i'll be there i could ask where did you come from oh i come from homicide or i come from all of these places this is going to be a piece of cake and i'm like Mm-mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Mm-mm.
3: Get this ready. is going to be different so yeah. when that therapist ask you what's happening on your case yeah. and you want to say who are you to ask me about my case
2: right this is right. why
3: they're asking you about a case so it takes a while which is why orientation yeah so that's one of the things that i started is really making sure that people are brought into this model with an understanding of this is the why, this is why this yep. model exists, and this is how it is supposed to work. One of the things that you don't want to have, and this is just a tip to all your oh, there are MDT members out there, if you don't have a, a orientation, I would encourage you to start one. Don't let the bitter yeah. person that is tired leaving, train your new person coming in yeah. because they're going to tell that person, you don't need to go to staffing. They're going to tell that person, you don't need right. to do these different things. And so coming together, together collectively as a team to create your orientation and make sure you have it on a regular basis where people are hearing from people that are excited about the job, but really having an understanding yeah. of what their role and expectation is. Yeah. A lot of times when you find problems on your MDT it's really because people don't understand the roles and expectations and you want to hold them to a standard yes. that they don't even know exists right. and that's not fair right and then you wonder why you have conflict yeah. conflict is going to be inevitable that is not even the problem combat yep. That's what's optional. Right. Right. That's that's my Max Lucotta, uh saying. He is so critical in saying that, but people just think, oh, I don't want to have conflict. We shouldn't have that on MDT model. No, you're going to have it. Oh, absolutely. You going to, the model breeds it, yep. but you don't have to have the combat. And if you don't, if you take the time to make sure everybody understands the roles and expectations, you won't have that issue. You yep. absolutely won't.
1: I came to orientation probably, five months before I ever came to child crimes Mm -hmm. because they knew I was interested in doing crimes against children and me and one of, one of my partners who's still around, you know, is we've been training as we've gone through the years, but he was very instrumental in saying like, Hey, let's send you now to orientation. And so I just, I don't even think I had a secondary thought of this is just how you work. These crimes, you come into this and it's, I think it's, a big yep. change for someone who's working a you know a homicide <clears throat> case or whatever where you're the detective you're the lead agent mm-hmm. on the case or whatever, and you've got to come in and now you're a therapist you're a therapy uh you got uh, all these people medical you've got a family yeah. of people that mm-hmm. you are beholden to answering questions of yep I think that's a big change for someone who's not ready, and so yeah. I think the orientation is night and day the difference between a successful mdt mm-hmm. <laughs> and a not successful mdt mm-hmm.
3: but think- it is hard for people coming into our world to understand it so you have to be intentional yeah, yeah. in that space and making sure that it's not that people are just asking you <clears throat> answers uh, asking you questions but you also will get many more answers yeah. than what you ever thought of if instead of working your case in silos so no, i either. tell
0: the new folks and i have one now that will be coming very soon and uh you know, I just try to tell them, I'm like, you, you have to go into this with your eyes open and your yeah. ears open because it's going to be a process that you're not used to. You're used to being the exactly. alpha in the room. You're used yeah. to, you're, being directing, in you're not um, in charge anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you yep. just have to accept it for what it is
1: because it's the best plan that exists. It, you're, you're a spoke in the wheel. You're not, yeah. exactly. it's not just you, you exactly. are, which is so like burden lifting for us mm-hmm. because it's like, Hey, I think a detective coming in going, it's all on my shoulders to protect this kid and make sure they're safe. That's a horrible burden that you exactly. cannot take. Exactly. You can't carry that. You're not I mean, meant to carry that. I mean, it's not no. sustainable. I mean, you're you're going to do that on the next and case. And the minute the something goes wrong, it's not only going to go back on your shoulders if you act that way, because and it is your fault it's also going to tear you apart Exactly. like that yeah. is not this is kids are the one thing in cop life that every cop is like nope you just yep. uh, like this is different than any other thing we deal with in policing is child yep. stuff and you so, win
3: as a team you lose as a team you yeah. cannot walk yeah. this journey solo yeah. it's not possible it's
1: just not possible and so i think there's plus we feel i mean i i don't think i'm alone in saying that like, we are spoiled as cops at DCAC. Yeah. Uh, I mean... No doubt. The, the, like, we come in, and e- so DCAC makes everyone feel, but especially, like, law enforcement and detectives, and I think, okay, I can say I felt this, so I know mm-hmm. that you do it to everyone, but I feel like you guys are like, you just treat us special, mm-hmm. and it's like, you want us to be there, and a part of it, and it's like... Who is this that wants <laughs> to treat me well? <laughs> you know, we're not used to that and sometimes you know from others.
2: It's
3: funny because we have that has been our history, and it is one of the things that we are working on. And it is my one of my also new models is we have to be a better partner to all because we want our CPS workers to feel that yeah, same absolutely. amount of love. And we, and I'm being transparent and saying we haven't always gotten that right. Yeah, we've we've learned that niche of how to take care of law enforcement. We know, I know what. But you, what barriers you might face I know I'm thinking about some of the challenges that would right. prevent you from getting to the CAC yeah. but we also haven't been as intentional in that space of figuring out what do our CPS workers need in that same way yeah. so we're putting a lot of focus on that right now also. did I just
1: tell a secret I wasn't supposed to you that's did what?
3: basically you did <laughs> that's
1: why my family knows you don't tell Brandon secrets <laughs> CPS you, Brandon. you are loved too CPS you are loved and medical and, medical, and you office well, medical Man, like I, all we love medical i don't know that they always love us and vice versa of the da's <laughs> i'm
3: like all the people
1: <laughs> you're all loved it's not just cops that are treated special no i think that we're i think it's like the uh special <laughs> family member that you're like oh they just need a little more attention because otherwise they're going to cause problems <laughs> Well, let's that's be why honest cops too, get though. The, the
3: reality is you're our largest number of partners so i think it's 27 different law enforcement jurisdictions yeah, uh, for Dallas County right now. Yeah, so you're our largest.
0: Yeah, but we're uh, also. Kind of the divas of
1: the group too. A lot of times, you know, like <laughs> she, anybody she that totally has to agree with it. her face and you, she didn't <laughs> yeah. say one word. So she came off Some looking like she a did. a little
3: it. more than uh, <laughs>
2: others. <laughs> right?
3: They shall remain nameless because I want to be able to go to the office.
1: You want to be able right? to talk to them tomorrow. <laughs> I we see know all it. the People, <laughs> hey, we live it. We wear the shirt. We, we are know. divas uh, sometimes, but I mean, at least they call me that. Uh, but you transitioned again from that. Role at AFC. Now, we're, you know, DCAC probably doesn't want you to talk about the AFC days, but we're glad that you got. I mean, that's a perspective, right? That's a different perspective. It
3: was such a different perspective. And again, it was the journey that I was meant to go. Like I learned things at CAC of Texas uh, from an administrative level that I wasn't used to performing in that way. So that helped me. Then when I transitioned at to AFC, just having to really take a deep dive into HR and that legality of things that you need to be responsible for in managing an agency that really helped me. And so ultimately when I learned and, I learned because I started getting calls, I started getting texts, I started getting emails from people I do not know. I don't even know how they got, literally the email will start out, you don't know me. I started at DCAC after you left. Um, I just wanted to let you know, Lynn is retiring. Right. <laughs> Have you considered applying for the position? And I was just, I had no intentions. I was not going to apply for the position. I was so happy yeah. at AFC. I loved working with that team. I loved doing HR and culture, and it was my husband um, who finally said to me because I had all of the excuses in the world. Right, I, I'm, I can't do that job. I don't want to do that job. I'm just so happy here. Like, and you're coming out of COVID, yeah. where everybody is. Well, we're still in COVID at that point, but really, people are like, "Oh, wow." is this what life feels like when it slows down yeah. and you're getting this yeah. new perspective? Oh man, I've been moving too fast. Mm. And so I loved where we were at that point in time. And my husband said uh, to me, he was like, what do you tell the women that you coach? And I, one of the things that I always tell women that I coach is that you never self eliminate. And right. so when you, when you're a woman and a lot of times when you're a woman of color, there is a lot of self doubt. There is a lot of, I must be qualified for 100 percent of the role in order for me to apply and i just kept telling done no i'm not going to do it i'm not
2: right
3: uh i'm not going to apply for it because i don't think i'm qualified for all of those things and he says to me uh he reminded me of that and that's what i've always told people you never self-eliminate and so i went through the process and here i said
1: this As is the, the, the twist yeah. ending <laughs> she is the president ceo of dcac oh, like yeah. I, we've been yeah. holding that like no one could google your name and look it up and know what you, <laughs> where you are but i mean you want to talk about full circle
3: full circle moment 100 yeah. percent full circle moment i it is absolutely a dream come true i remember at one point in the process i don't know where it was it had to be at the last part of the process in the interview where i said to them you don't have to they they asked the question why are you the person for the job and i gave a a good answer but one of the things that i said is you don't have to worry about uh waiting for me to fall in love with dcac yeah yeah i'm already in love with dcac yeah. i was like you don't have to worry about what happens if it doesn't go right and this it, this position just doesn't work out because someone who's not attached to the center can walk away Mm. I never can. Right. Like, this is, this right. agency is such a part of me and my whole entire career. The only thing that I worry about is getting back in that space of really not having the balance that I need because I'll do whatever I need uh, for this agency. Anybody knows me, the agency comes first. It comes first over friendship. It comes first over anything that those team members need, that our staff needs, that the children need. I'm always do right uh, by the agency before I do anything else. Now I will take care of my family, my family, God, all that comes first. Uh, But when it comes to agency and working in DCAC as a CEO, Yeah, it is. It is my heart. It has my
1: heart. And it's there's something, there's a different feel with someone at the top, the helm of the ship who has a love for because you have been at all of these little places along. It's like your blood, sweat, and tears are in the ship, and now your guide. It's like you know you you etched your name in the wood of the ship. Yeah, I don't know why I'm using a ship metaphor, but you etched your name in the year. You know, in the wood of that ship. 20 years ago and now you're the captain of the ship and and there is an ownership there of of, and I think we feel it at least I feel it like there's someone that knows and loves and cares you know running things and I think that it makes a difference leads down to the the other parts you know I think there's throughout the
3: stage of my career I could I I can point back to when I was a forensic interviewer it was truly my favorite Mm -hmm. job like it was
0: and you were nothing good at it let me tell you (laughs) dang you were good at it
3: nothing like being a forensic interviewer and being able to sit across from that child and do what you needed be what you needed them to be at that point in time and what they needed you to be it was nothing like that then moving into the partner relations role it was nothing like that either because they're again this model when this model works and it works the right way yep. man there is nothing like it and being able to be that person that was always bringing people back when people would stray or people would become frustrated or people would lose the vision being able to bring everybody back to that common goal mm-hmm. and help them focus was also a joy and now as I sit in this seat because I know the journey that I've walked I know the experiences that I've had, even as a CPS worker before I got there. So many of my best friends today are police officers, and I know the depth of what this job and the toll it takes on people because I'm now able to sit in a seat that I really can truly make an impact on how you are treated, how our staff members are treated, how what they receive from us, how we care for them, what our partners get from us. That is a feeling like no other because I'm going to always keep the model at the forefront of my mind. And in the forefront of my mind is always we're focused on kids. And so what can I do? Because here's the thing, children, and you know, a part of our vision is children come first, but guess what? We can't do any of those things if y'all are not taken care of. And now I get to make a direct impact on that. And that makes me excited.
0: Well, we all knew. And I mean, when the announcement came up and that you were taking over and I think a couple of social media posts, Popped up or something like that because, you know, f- from where I sit, <clears throat> I don't get to come there very often anymore. It's it's kind of far and few between um from old days. But uh as soon as I saw the postings and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh! Like good that hands. is we're in good hands. Ha- <laughs> I mean, just like absolutely, what a no brainer! Like that's where it was. It was like this yeah, is that makes sense. What a fit! This is gonna take DCAC to the next level. I, I was very okay with Lynn, but he's just a different, he was a different person. Mm-hmm. And so I guess because we were so vested, because I knew you for so long mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, man, this is like a grand slam home run, like over the wall. Yeah.
1: Like it was, it was awesome. So your kids in Dallas, Fort Worth are in good hands with yeah. DCAC. <laughs> oh yeah. What's it, what's the difference now? Like what's, what's the I bet there's a lot more meetings. I mean, you've been on this side. <laughs> you've been on this side. You're the you're the top now. What's I mean, what's changed? What you changes?
3: Know, I will tell y'all when they say it's lonely at the top, <laughs> it's lonely at the top because you are making decisions you have to and you are the probably the only person that has all of the pieces so you will know all of the information and everybody can't know all of that information and so you are running an agency right now in a landscape where you were worried about a recession going into a recession so i worry about those different types of things but the One thing I'll tell you is what hasn't changed is the love for the mission, for the people. We just recently did our climate survey and it comes back every single time. Everybody works there, loves the mission. And it is so hard, I think, for you to find that in so many other places. People will go to work and they'll say that this is where I'm going to land right now. But people are at DCAC because they really want to be there. But this is different. This is a whole nother world where you see all the different aspects and I have to wear so many more different types of hats. I have, I leave one meeting, I take that hat off and then I put on another uh, hat in order to be what I need to be and how I need to be present there. But it is, a different landscape right now in running any type of agency. I worry about our people. I'm trying to figure out how can I be innovative? People talk so much about flexibility and being able to work from home and it's all you hear in the world about, oh, you have to let people work from home and you have to do this. But this is what they don't understand. And this is why when we transitioned back into the office full time, we did it last July. One of the things that we did is we brought everyone together. Tell us what you're excited about. Tell us what you're worried about. And so we had a few people that were still nervous about it, and mm-hmm. it, that was completely understandable. Right. But here's what everybody realized once they got back organically, they recognized that, man. It actually feels good to be back because right. you were sitting at home, you were doing virtual staffings, yeah. you close that computer and you're stuck with those thoughts all by yourself. Yeah. You're looking at your kids playing on the floor. You're looking at your spouse somewhere, but you can't talk to them. Yeah. And so what you right. negate is what happens organically when you're in the office. Yeah. Yeah. You walk out of staffing. You know what? We've done it. You stand around. You eat. You talk to somebody else about another case. You're right. walking down the hallway. You're laughing and joking. Those things are organically pulling you out right. of all this negative stuff that yes. you've heard. And so then we didn't have to worry about the naysayers because everybody started to talk about how good it is. Now, on the flip side of that, what we did learn while we were at home is a lot of people do feel a little bit more productive when it's silent,
2: Yes. <laughs> when they can get <laughs> yeah. work done yeah.
3: uninterrupted. So we are trying to say, what can we do to be a little bit more innovative in that space? Because right. the constant and talking and yeah. at DCAC when we built this building we thought we would be in this building 25 years we've been in this building since 2013 we yeah. thought we would be in this building 20 uh 5 years before we ran out of space we are we they were Maxed. out of state space before I left and so we have everybody on top of each other so we are looking specifically what positions can we possibly do hoteling positions with yes you need to be in the office because our collaborative model is so important however do you have to be here every single day and can we actually take a couple positions put you in a rotation of working from home and then allow some other people to spread out the people that have to be there every day to be able to have some more space so you got to constantly be thinking about all of the things. I got to think about yesterday. I got to think about the cases. I got to think about the families and the Mm. barriers they face. I got to think about the partners, but I also got to think about the staff members. And I got to think about tomorrow. And I got to think 10 years down the line because I can't run a state. I can't run an agency in a current state. I got to run an agency in a current state and for the future and continue to plan for the future, even though we are on the scope of what they believe might be a recession. I'm sorry.
2: I don't know know why you,
1: how you, well, I know you have energy to spare, but I don't (laughs) know how you think. And it's enough to deal with for today Mm -hmm. to think about tomorrow and year and year and year after. I'll say we didn't, I didn't feel like we could do our job from home. Like, I mean, the content we deal with, Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it from home. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the fortune of only being at home and out of the office as they figured things out for a month or so. But I always thought like, and I think this is speaking to what you said, that that what we deal with, like to me it was easier, you have your office and you have your home mm-hmm. and you leave things at the office Separation. yeah. and you can't do that. When you're working from home, how do you shut that computer and go to your family yeah. and not be thinking and dealing with it right then? Yeah. Like there's something about, to me, it's always been, that's how I think this doesn't affect me that way because the drive home is the shake off mm-hmm. of everything in the office stays at the office. I shake it off. You know, there's, there's a procedure that I do going home that when I get home, it's home life yeah. only. And I think that you can't separate that if you you're can. doing well. the, the so
0: human element to too. Like you, you have to have a human element mm-hmm. in this job with what we see and the volume of what we see in the, depravity of yeah. what we see. Got to remember uh, there, there are good people. <laughs> yeah, there, you have to have this human element. I agree wholeheartedly uh, with what some of maybe your employees said about, you know, it's nicer when it's quieter and I can get more work done. And we tried a little, I never had to work from home, so to speak. Um, we did try a little rotational thing like, hey, you'll be here this week, but you'll be off and then you'll flip flop. Uh, we kind of tried that. It, it didn't really work so well uh the guy in my office ended up getting covid so he had to be out Mm -hmm. um but you do see the your production level increase when Mm -hmm. there's not a revolving door of people and yeah we all those we adjusted adjusted hours
1: and that was nice when i went to the 3 to 11 adjustment because yeah i was the only one here for five hours and it was like oh my gosh i got now i will say we were locked into the office for a month and a half where we couldn't go out and do things out in the field. So we were in the office for a month and a half and I had some cases on my desk and those people got a month and a half of attention. And so I can say there's a lot more prison for some people because we had a month (laughs) of just like, you made me care about your case, exactly. but it does, it does change things. And I I think for us, like there's a big difference of like going home Mm -hmm. and being here Yeah and there's a different there yeah. they are neither the two shall me kind of yeah. thing like that but it's
3: so interesting because when we're hiring for positions and people are listening to the noise of the world they are thinking oh wait you don't have a robust yeah. work from home policy and yeah. you mean to tell me i have to come to the office every day well for certain cases you do yes telemental health is great however we are doing what our clients are asking and our clients right. are saying they want to be in person yeah and so we have just a handful that said they they have decided that tele mental health and appropriately we've assessed to ensure that they're appropriate for it but right. majority of our clients are still coming in in person and yeah. so we have to hire to our need but it is hard to yeah. get people to understand that now in the world and it's I'm like well you're thing. listening yeah. to all these IT companies they don't deal with child abuse Yeah, <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. like
3: they, they are Very doing different. A whole and you're going to want to
2: be
1: Around a team of people. You're going
3: to want to be around a team of people. You really have to be around people. You can't be sitting at home all day by yourself with this. Yeah. You can't.
1: Well, I think we're going to wrap up early because Irish is going to stay around for a minute and talk about child abuse as a whole and kind of the new trends and the things we're going to see in or that we're seeing now. So we will be back with you uh, next week and you'll hear from her one more time. Thank you for
0: listening to the Catfish Cops podcast, brought to you by Brandon Poor and Tony Godwin. For additional information and available resources, please visit our website, www.catfishcops.com, and click on the resources link.